G'day, this is Mark Pesci, and welcome to Series 10 of This Week in Startups Australia. In Series 10, Twista has a singular focus. We're identifying and sharing the story of Australia's world-changing startups. The startups that when they go from zero to one really do change the world. And not just the startups, but the founders, the investors. Australia is stepping up with some of our brightest sparks working hard to change the world. They come from fields as diverse as agriculture, housing, finance, and artificial intelligence. These startups at scale truly will change the world. Who's next on our list? Find out in this episode of This Week in Startups Australia. This Week in Startups Australia is sponsored by Zendesk. Zendesk helps startups build lasting customer experiences from the ground up with the Zendesk for Startups program. Learn more at zendesk.com slash twista. This Week in Startups Australia is also sponsored by Our Crowd. Our Crowd finds companies with the greatest growth potential and brings them to you. They believe in their deals and invest in them too. Join the fastest growing venture capital investment community at ourcrowd.com slash Australia. This Week in Startups Australia is sponsored by User Testing. With user testing, you'll understand it from your customer's perspective. Get real-time feedback real fast. Put yourself in your customer's shoes. Visit usertesting.com slash twista for a free trial. User testing, real human insight. Just before we introduce our 10th and final world-changing startup, let's review the four metrics against we have been measuring all of them. Metric one, an idea that actually makes the world better. Metric two, it is within the realm of scientific and technical achievability. Metric three, it is economically rational. That means there's a business model here. And metric four, there is manageable execution risk. Now, I went to the recent launch of the Spark Festival, and as part of that, I saw a whole series of startup pitches. I see a lot of pitches. Mostly, they don't stay with me. This one did. I couldn't get it out of my mind because I knew at its core, I had seen a potentially world-changing idea centering on how to use artificial intelligence to improve the workplace. But it's probably best if we let Pioneer co-founders Tani Clays and Danielle Owen-Whitford explain that. Tani, Danielle, welcome to This Week in Startups Australia. Thank you. Thank you. All right. So, Danielle, what is this problem that you've set out to solve and how is it going to change the world? So, Mark, we set out to solve the problem of workplace stress and workplace burnout probably about three or four years ago. So, before COVID, when it was an inkling of a problem, but has really escalated into a significant issue now post-COVID and all of the, the changes that people have had to undergo. As we've been solving this problem for burnout, we've realized there's a really important link between mental health and productivity. So we're solving the burnout problem, but at the same time, we think there's a way of connecting um, productivity and burnout so we can actually help both. So the problem's kind of expanded a little bit. 
the reason why we see it's a world-changing idea is because our our thought is that we want to be able to help people in real time when they either least expect that they need help or don't know where to go for help. A lot of the tools, and there's a lot of tools out there that can help people, but it requires someone to know that they need help to self-diagnose and know where to go to get that help. So we're trying to disrupt both of those things. So you're working away, the bot sees that you need some help, and the AO goes, right, this is the right help for you at the right time, and it gets it to you in the right way. So that's why we see this as a world-changing idea. Okay, so Tani, take me through this because Danielle has said AI, she said bot. What is actually going on here? What is Pioneera actually doing to do this magic with increasing workplace mental health? I love how you um, you use the word magic. It's I definitely feel like we're uh, we're doing magic every single day, although it's not rocket science. So the way that it actually works is um, we've got a friendly AI bot uh, called Indy, who's actually a uh, fun fact named after Danielle's real life daughter, Indy. Um, and the way that she works is she connects to a company's communication systems or collaboration systems. So, for example, their email, their uh, chat systems, and she works in the background while you do. So um, there's no interruptions to your work, a daily workload. Um, there's no surveys. There's nothing. She's literally assessing language in the background. Um, and based on that, using um, machine learning and um, sentiment analysis, she's scoring and looking for linguistic markers um, to be able to determine um, an individual stress and well-being levels. And the important part about that is that it is entirely private. So if people are thinking like, oh, I don't want my boss to know if I'm stressed or what I'm saying, don't worry, because Indy is all about privacy. So um, she will keep everybody's um, data 100% confidential. What a manager does see is uh, de-anonymized analytics and only for an aggregated group of five people or more so that you can't actually be picked out out of that group. So that's very high nutshell, like very small nutshell what uh, how Indy works. All right. So when you talk about this sentiment analysis in this AI, what is the science? Because this is the second question. You said, what is the sec scientific and technical achievability of this? What is the science behind that? Because people will think, okay, are you making a guess or, or how are you actually doing that in a way that is presumably clinically meaningful, but I think also just behaviorally meaningful to the person who is getting that kind of data from Indy? Yeah, um, it's a really, really good question. So the, there's a couple of ways that we've created an evidence base for this. So firstly, as Tani talked about, we use machine learning and we also use natural language processing. So the components of natural language processing like sentiment analysis have been around for a long time and they're well proven and well tested kind of baseline starting points. What we then wanted to add was what happens in a workplace context. So we scored a whole lot of language with psychologists to say, okay, well, what do we use the word stressed at work or we're more likely to use the word stretched? So we've ascribed a value and we've done that both on a stress scale, but we've also done a wellness scale. They're not the inverse of each other. They're their own scales. So you can see how the things are playing out at the same time. So we've done that work. And we also have a range of the, the right help that we get to people. We've actually partnered with Dr. Michelle McQuaid and we have her content, which is scientifically proven through research to actually help people in the workplace context. And those nudges include things like support around psychological safety, emotional well-being, connections in the workplace. So there's a range of, of scientifically based interventions that you'll get, 
get depending on what your behavioral patterns are. And now we move into kind of the new frontier. So this, what we were talking about as a world-changing idea, a lot of that research doesn't exist. So we've started quite a significant research program across a number of different partners to continue to research and get an evidence based on a number of different parts of the system. So we're working with the University of Sydney to research that connection between wellbeing and productivity, which we call positive productivity. We're working with the University of Newcastle and Macquarie University to look at mental health in small businesses because their challenges are different to large enterprises and to look at the use of AI within workplaces. Um, and we're, we're also looking to other organisations that we're starting to partner with to look at aspects of the natural language processing to sort of baseline our work against global standards of NLP and AI. So that sort of work continues. And we think that's actually something that's going to be quite interesting, not just for us and our customers and growth, obviously, but we're building a really unique data set on the working population here, as well as we will expand internationally. And that data is going to be very valuable for us as a country to continue to understand how we can better help people at work. So, Tiny, we talk about this idea that it will feed data into the higher levels of the organization, but it's also feeding data back to the person. Do we have a sense of what happens when the person either acts or doesn't act on that data or the management either acts or doesn't act on that data? So in other words, do we have an idea of how Indy creates or tries to create a feedback loop to improve the organization? Yeah, so that's that's a good question. So, um, we work very closely with our customers um, and we want them to, to be able to get the most out of Indy. So um, the way that we've worked in the past is we actually work with a group of champions or super users, let's say, um, to, to really uh, figure out how the organization can best benefit um, from Indy, but then also how we can tailor Indy's um, solutions and suggestions to help the organization. So it's all about customization. It's not just generic that every organization gets the same thing or any individual gets the same thing. It's very much um, personalized to each individual and each organization. So um, we can get that feedback loop by understanding how people are interacting with the nudges. So people can have their personalized dashboard. They can give feedback on specific nudges. Um, and going forward in the future, we'll also um, implement a few more things in there where we can capture interactions that people are having with, with Indy and um, the feedback that they're giving on specific nudges. Um, so uh, from that perspective, we're also working with managers to really have a sense of what's going on in the organization because we, as Pioneer, we don't know what's going on in their organization. So we're working with them really closely to understand, are they focusing on safety psychological safety? Are they focusing on specific mental health? Are they focusing on um, on well-being and their team culture? And how can Indy be a part of that? So it's important that Indy isn't just seen as an extra tool that the organization is using on top of the, the plethora of other tools <laughs> that they have, but that it's really embedded in the day-to-day -day work and context of what, uh, what the organization is doing. You're listening to This Week at Startups Australia. We will be right back. fastest growing companies have great products and great customer service. You build the great product and Zendesk will help you build great customer experiences 
that make your customers come back, just like Jason Calacanis. Jason has a very public obsession with amazing customer service and relies on Zendesk for his launch syndicate. Jason's limited partners use Zendesk to reach out to him for each of his deals. Zendesk also handles inbound inquiries from startups looking for investors. Zendesk helps Jason provide the kind of customer service he demands. Apply for the Zendesk for Startups program to get the industry-leading customer service software free for six months. You'll also get access to Zendesk's community of startup founders and partners, plus dedicated onboarding guidance and support. Zendesk has everything you need to deliver the amazing customer experiences that will make your product a success. To learn more about Zendesk for Startups, visit Zendesk.com slash Twista. And we're back talking to pioneers, Tani Clays and Danielle Owen-Whitford. All right, Danielle, take us through what the market looks like, you know, on your webpage. It already says you have one of the big four banks as a customer, which is certainly a nice place to start. Take us through what the market effectively looks like here in Australia for Pioneer. Yeah, um, it's a really good question because the market has changed for us since we started. So we started out as an enterprise product because we researched where are people most and most people were in large enterprises. So we're like, let's just start there. And we did onboard one of the big banks very early as part of an accelerator program. So I did the She Starts Accelerator and they were a sponsor of that program. So they were fantastic in helping us MVP the product. So we learned a lot about how to build an enterprise product from the bank. And then COVID hit. And so all of the work that we had lined up for enterprises just immediately stopped because they just went into crisis mode. So through that time, we had a number of small businesses start to reach out to use the product. But we couldn't use the enterprise product for small business. So we created a small business offering. So we now have an offering for a smaller business as well as a large enterprise. Um, And our pricing plans reflect that. So if you're a small business or a big business, you can use the bot the same way. You just choose a different plan and you get different levels of support. Um, So that's kind of worked really well. From an Australian perspective, we find that the businesses that are really interested in what we target are businesses that have lots of knowledge and service roles, particularly highly skilled roles. So they could be consultants, they could be technology, so developers, um, specific industries like, you know, return to work industries in the health industry for uh, recruiters, for digital marketers, like that's what we're really finding is our sweet spot, claims managers, those sorts of people. Um, And we also know, you know, we're an English-based system. So our goals next year or the year after is to move quite quickly into the US and the UK market and potentially Southeast Asia because we're getting quite a bit of interest from those markets as well. Because we're a digital product, it's pretty simple to connect us and get up and running. Um, And so we have built this to be scalable globally. So that's part of the sort of broader market proposition. So Tani, you would be familiar with what happens when you're actually integrating indie into an organization, right? Because it's something where people have to, I think, be accustomed to this. They do have to be reassured that it's not a surveillance tool, but they also, I think, have to sort of think about how to operate within the context of something that may be giving them 
gentle nudges, recommendations. How does that work? And is it one size fits all or is every organization quite specific on how they do that? Um, so definitely not one size fits all. Um, our entire approach is to make everything as personalized as possible, but at the same time also as scalable as possible. Because as Danielle said, we serve small organizations, larger organizations, um, and uh, once we get heaps of customers in, we have to make sure that it's a scalable model as well. But the way that we actually work is um, before the technical um, implementation actually takes place, we work very closely with uh, the company's stakeholders. So it's usually a senior manager, the decision maker, who has decided that Indie and Pioneer would be a good fit to work with. And we provide them um, with comms that they can send out to their teams. We do briefings with the managers in advance to let them know this is Indie, this is Pioneer, this is what we're here to do. Um, and then we also brief the entire team so that people don't all of a sudden see see this bot popping up on, on their chat channel saying, oh, hey, Indy's here. Like, ooh, what is this? This feels a bit like Big Brother. That's definitely not how we how we go about. And we, we also discourage um, organizations to just blindly connect Indy without any communications to their employees. Um so it's about a two-week uh, two-week process where we um, onboard people, do these comms, do these briefings. Um, then we start off also with a, a baseline health check to kind of see where is the organization currently at. Um, and then once we start the onboarding, the, the employees start getting information about the nudges, the champions that I spoke about earlier and the managers, they get one-on-one -on -one coaching um, with Daniela and myself to understand the tool and also see how it can actually be embedded within the strategy, within the um, OKRs or the metrics that the organization is looking at themselves. Um, and then usually the onboarding is around two to three months um, before people can actually start seeing change coming out of um, in these nudges and also the solutions that they're implementing, etc. Um, so at the end of that, we do a follow-up health check. Um, and that's actually where they can see some immediate um, data and some immediate insights as to how Indy has actually helped the organization improve their stress levels, well-being levels, and productivity. So those are the main three areas that we're, that we're looking towards um, with organizations. Danielle, how much does Indy ask of management inside the organization to make room for the suggestions that Indy is making? It should um, actually make the manager's job easier and help the manager because the system is actually giving the manager the, the nudge to say, hey, time to look at something or time to do something. So we use it ourselves here internally um, in Pioneer. So I have my Indie dashboard that I look at quite frequently for the team. And as a manager, I can see when the team, for example, has very high stress peaks and no wellness. And I don't know who that is, of course, but I know that something's going on for the team. So my personal thing is that I'll wait for a day and then maybe at the second day I'll start going, okay, and I'll start checking in with people individually to see how people are going. So that's one way it actually helps me rather than having to monitor people all the time. So that it should, um, in theory, and certainly the feedback we're getting from our customers, make the manager's job easier. The other thing it does is it provides those high-performance leadership nudges to managers. So it doesn't just say keep an eye on your team. It says this is something that you can do. This day last week was a great day for your team, so have a great day with them today. Or this was a bit tougher last week. So it's giving useful insights and useful suggestions to managers. So it will help the managers 
better lead their teams, particularly junior managers that are sort of coming up in the ranks and saying, how do I create an environment where people thrive? Um, initially, it's a little bit of work from the champions just because it's new, right, to understand something new to get your head around it. But after a little while, people get to get used to it really quickly. The process that Tani talked about, our onboarding process, we find people kind of love it. Sounds like a lot, but people love it once they get into it and then they can pull back. So some companies go, no, we just want to do this ourselves. And we're like, super cool. And other companies are like, no, we would like a lot more support. So we're flexible depending on what the company wants. And Tani, with so much of work happening now in a hybrid context where people aren't immediately visible and it isn't easy to sort of check in with them about their stress level because it may be happening literally off camera, does Indy actually provide strength in that context? Because one of the things that was very clear in the data is the more remote a person is, the more actual check-in time that they need with their managers. Yes. So this this is definitely one of the areas and and one of the triggers for us that one of the reasons why we actually um, are are working with Indy and, and why lots of our customers love it is because um, with this new way of working, we often don't see our team members. And uh, like you mentioned, Mark, the visual cues are everything. And I've actually had a few managers tell me that before when they were in the office, they could easily just look over their screen to their employee and see that something was up. Whereas now you don't see that anymore. You don't have that connection anymore. And um, for us, it's, it's all about solidifying that connection, that social connection, not just with um, colleagues, but also with your environment. And we've noticed specifically, excuse me, that um, employees that that are working from home full time and specifically the ones that also live on their own, they need that extra connection. And so that's why Indy's there to actually um, let them know that they're never alone, that there's always somebody there that's got their back, that whether it's, you know, they're on a roll and then they need a little bit of a celebration, woo, Indy's there to celebrate with them. But even when they're having a slightly tougher time, hey, there's somebody looking out for you as well and um, giving you some practical tips. And the good thing about it is that um, Indy doesn't ask a lot in a sense that she gives you bite-sized um, coaching tips that you can immediately implement in that moment. So it's not like you have to wait till you're done for work or that you have to go to a specific environment or you have to have specific tools to be able to do her, her tips. Um, that's what makes it super valuable. And that's what makes a manager's life so much easier because Indy does what a manager can't do. Um, she'll be there, she'll support, she'll give that pat on the back that somebody needs um, to to kind of replicate what a manager would do, let's say, in an office space and in a face-to-face context. Wow. You're listening to Tani and Danielle from Pioneer, and this is This Week in Startups Australia. We will be right back. As rising interest rates, inflation, and global complexity throw stock markets into turmoil, savvy investors are turning to alternative investments. Our crowd makes it easy for you to diversify your investments into a variety of expertly vetted high-growth private companies across stages, geographies, and industries like biotech, cybersecurity, and renewable energy. Investments like these used to be reserved for elite institutional investors, but our crowd has helped sophisticated investors from over 90 countries invest in growing tech companies. Every month, our crowd vets hundreds of companies across the globe, then brings you a select few identified for their outsized growth potential. 
Alcrowd backs these investments. They commit their own capital and they leverage their relationships with multinational corporations and global investment leaders to help drive their portfolio companies' growth. Discover investment options beyond the stock market. Join the fastest growing venture capital investment community in the world at ourcrowd.com slash Australia. That's ourcrowd.com slash Australia. Individual results may vary. There's no guarantee that past performance will be indicative of future results. Invest wisely. with world-changing startup pioneer and Tani Clays and Danielle Owen-Whitford. All right, Danielle, let's talk about execution risk. First thing that occurs to me beyond all the stuff that can go wrong with the business, but is there a condition where Indy could be making wrong calls? And does that produce a kind of execution risk that a normal startup wouldn't have because you're inside people's heads in a way? I think there's, you know, there's all sorts of risks with product as well as the business. So we're like, like all products, there's, you know, risks as well. We've spent quite a few years actually testing the system before we put it sort of more broadly. So um, the banker we talked about before MVP'd for quite a while with us and we were very close with them checking in regularly. So we were reasonably confident that the system was providing a, a reasonable view of things. Um which is which is great. So we were a, a able to like attach to the data, which was important. B we were able to assess the data, which was important, and C we were able to do it in a confidential way. So we worked very closely with their risk team and with their cyber security team to make sure that was all done in a confidential way that the bank was comfortable with. So we were pretty confident that we'd moved through the process to minimise and de-risk it as much as we could. The we also wanted to de-risk it for our customers. So. As Tani said, what we tend to do is that sort of first space with the customer, the onboarding is really about creating value for that customer. So we don't call it a proof of concept, we call it a proof of value. So then whoever the customer is, they can go, wow, look at what, look at our workplace before Indian, after Indian, they can take that internally and sell it to their colleagues internally. So we do risk it as much as we possibly can. Um, and that has proven to be really successful. The other things, the risks that we've sort of tried to de-risk is around confidentiality, privacy and transparency. So the product will never be Big Brother in the background because the second you connect it, it says hi and it reaches out. So that de-risked the whole Big Brother thing, as did the privacy and confidentiality. So we spent a lot of time with our customers to make sure we were managing that. So that was something that, and we feel that we sort of, that's a differentiator for us because consumers continue to tell us that they are safe with Indy because Indy's private. So we know that that's a good thing. From an execution risk, like all businesses, particularly startups, have a huge amount of execution risk. Again, we've tried to sort of use the sort of, you know, agile design principles which is we try something we see if it works and if it doesn't we just keep iterating and that's through all parts of our business not just the product and technology we do that with marketing we do that with sales um, we do that with internal processes so I think we've got quite a good way now of trying something in a considered way experimenting and then evolving as we need and I think because we've taken that approach coupled with a lot of us have backgrounds you know corporate backgrounds where we've got the planning and the project delivery and the strategy, we've kind of fused those two together. So we have a plan, but we can iterate quite quickly if we need to move around that plan. So 
I think that's kind of de-risked a lot of the a lot of the bigger challenges. Tani, since you deal a lot with the customers as they're going in, and one of the things that occurred to me when I looked at this is that Indy will be really good at being able to identify toxic workplace environments. But is it possible that it would also be completely unable to resolve the toxicity in a workplace environment? And how would that be communicated? Because the staff would become perhaps even more aware, and I don't even know about the management, which probably aren't listening, which is why it's toxic. Have you, and you know, you don't need to be at all specific about this, but have you seen that kind of thing? Because we know all of us have had some experience in a toxic workplace environment. This could be the way through, but can it always work in those situations? Well, that's a that's a very good uh, very good question. We were talking about the word magic earlier. However, magic indie is, and and this is a, a, this applies to any tool that you use, right? Like, it's um, the power of the tool uh, will lie in how you actually utilize it within an organization, and so that's very true for indie as well. So indie is there to um, create awareness around triggers, around red flags that are going there. She will give suggestions. But she can't force people to take on certain solutions or to um, implement certain improvements. So this is where it's really important for the organization to have that buy-in and from a top level, strategic level, have that strategic objective to really want to follow the direction that Indy is giving. And aside from Indy, that's where Danielle and I are also regularly checking in with management to, to tell them, like, how are you going with your health checks? These are the results for your organization. Um, we can see these trends um, consistently happening. What are you doing within the organization to combat that? And um, how can we help you create a plan to get to a better solution uh, or get to a better um, um status quo, basically. So um, it's really important that the organization um, puts its mind to it. So far, all of the customers that we've had have been super passionate about um, the different topics that that India has been looking into. So we've had organizations um, where they had uh, temp teams and um, full-time teams uh, where we saw different patterns. People weren't taking lunch breaks. People were working weekends, were working after hours. So from that perspective, maybe not necessarily a toxic work environment, but definitely a, a, a high a high risk work environment where burnout is a very high risk. And so we worked with them to look at the um, to to look at what was actually going on, what was triggering, um, and to offer certain solutions. And they were really really happy to implement and make certain changes. And it's really about making the small changes that can sometimes create the best results. So. Um, like I said, so far so good, but it's also in the hands of the organization um, that is using Indy to really get the most out of her and, um, yeah, create the, create the culture and the business uh, that they want in a workplace environment that is psychologically safe where people can thrive. Danielle, final question. So on this theme of world changing, and you are the 10th of the world changing startups that we've looked at, the 10th and final one. What happens to the workplace when Pioneer goes from zero to one? How does it change the workplace? How does it change work? Yeah, look, it's a really good question, Mark. We um, have spent a lot of time actually questioning our purpose. So we created this product to help people. We're like, actually, what are we trying to do? And Tani's led a lot of that work for our team. So we've sort of landed on our purpose is actually to unleash everyone's potential to be happier, healthier, and more productive at work. 
So we see workplaces actually where people are thriving, where they're unleashing their full potential, where we've really, we're working at that intersection of mental, positive mental health and productivity. And that's where we think organisations can really, really fly. We're looking right now in Australia at the Jobs and Work Summit and they're trying to improve productivity because we've been stagnant for 20 years in terms of productivity. We believe one of the solutions, other than bringing more talent in, of course, is actually to help the people that are here now. And the way that we help people be more productive is by improving their sort of mental health. So that's the sort of organisation that we see. And that's an organisation that I think I would love my kids to work in and I would be proud to send them off every day to work in. Um, rather than some of the sort of toxic things that we're seeing today that you pointed out before. Excellent. Tani, Danielle, thank you for joining us on This Week in Startups Australia. Thanks, Mark. Thank you for having us, Mark. Nice to talk to you. All right, let's see how Pioneer measures up against our metrics. Metric one, an idea that actually makes the world better. Well, if Pioneer can succeed in helping people be happier doing what they're doing, doing what they're doing maybe because they love it or just because they have to do it to earn a living, either way, if they can make them happier and less stressed, that is a good thing. It's something that makes the world better. Big tick. Metric two, is it within the realm of scientific and technical achievability? Well, clearly, sentiment analysis has been around for a while. AI, NLP, that's all more or less new technologies, but they're new technologies that work reasonably well most of the time. Is it going to produce perfect results? Probably not, probably never, but that doesn't mean it isn't scientifically and technically achievable. So, big tick there. Metric three, is it economically rational? Does it mean that there's a business model there? Well organizations that are using Pioneer, that are using Indie, are getting good results. They're helping their staff be better, do better. And that seems to be something that will create a virtuous cycle. You bring it into an organization, the organization performs better. That means it's the kind of tool that organizations will want to pay for. So yes, there is an economically rational business model. Big tick. Metric four, manageable execution risk. And of course, there are the things you can't predict, like how a particular organization is going to react. But then there's the things you can predict and plan about how the startup is going. And we heard Danielle, she seems to have that very well in train. We can't know everything about the future, but we can know that tools like Pioneera will be a big part of how we work in offices in the 21st century. You're listening to This Week in Startups Australia, and we will be right back. Experience what your customer experiences with user testing. Whether you're launching a new product, prototype, or marketing campaign, you'll get video feedback straight from the people you want to reach most. The user testing human insight platform lets you understand it all from their perspective, and it allows you to target your exact audience, ask any question or request to perform tasks, and most valuably, get a window into their world. Unlike focus groups, which can take weeks or even months to deliver results with user testing, you get to see real interactions and hear real opinions really fast in real time at the speed business demands. Very quickly, you get insights into what's working and what's not. So you can adjust your message, refine your UI, and understand exactly how people are responding to and interacting with your product, service, or brand. The result? You feel what your customer feels, so you can build the best experience imaginable. For a free trial, visit usertesting.com slash twista. User testing, real human insight. 
Big thanks to Twister sponsors Zendesk, Our Crowd, and User Testing. Thanks to Tiny Clays and Danielle Owen Whitford for coming on to our show. This show was written and produced by Mark Pesci and beautifully mixed by Luke Station. Come visit our website at thisweekinstarps.au. It's got everything. It's got all the shows, all the interviews, all the photos, all the links to all the stories. So check it out at thisweekinstarps.au. Next week, we'll come to the close of Series 10 of This Week in Starps Australia. We'll take a look at what we've learned and we'll look forward to Series 11. Until then, this is Mark Pesci thanking you for listening. <laughs>